everyone. Welcome to episode five. Episode five. We are half of a decade. If we're measuring tens as decades. Yes. Ten is a decade. Ten is a decade. But not in years. Ten episodes being a decade. We are half of a decade of episodes after this podcast gets pushed through. And uh, welcome to um, my brother, Zach. I don't know where I'm looking, but it you don't need to look anywhere. You All can right. just look it's into my eyes. Look into the right. fire. In the fire. Okay. My soulful eyes are the fire. <coughs> Welcome, Zach. Zach has made the trip all the way from the Windy City of Chicago, Illinois. Uh, little did you know, the, it's named the Windy City because... Politicians have a lot of hot air to blow. No, uh, no I was going to say because of the wind is very... okay. That's actually not a true fact. Um, Jamie is our fact checker. It is not known... It is known as the Windy City, but it is not the Windy City by um what would that be called a nickname that's the nickname given to it but it actually has to do with a lot of politicians hot air um i'm fact checking that right now it says here that politicians are trustworthy actually so yeah check the yeah, yeah good any sense. fact checked uh we got a we got a fact checker here <laughs> and for one to start well hey so welcome to episode five of this um campfire conversations podcast uh, the board is re-examining the potential title uh, of this this podcast, and there may be a rebrand in the future. Stay tuned to a potential rebrand. Um, but in the meantime, Zach, welcome to the podcast. Jamie Shaw behind me. Uh, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. This is, we're, we're going back to the model in which we recorded our first podcast um, with Jamel, Jamie, and myself. Uh, shout out to Jamel. Uh, our brother who is not here, and uh, we'll give him a toast. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Jamel, however, is thousands of miles away in Hotlanta, or at least adjacent. Jamie, do you know where, what part of Georgia is Jamel in? Um, I couldn't say for sure. I know he spends time in Savannah as well mm. as Atlanta. Yeah, wherever the Masters is, uh, takes place. Is that Savannah? You can fact check that. Yeah, we'll fact check. We got a lot of things. Jamel knows a lot of things. Mm -hmm. He has a lot of random facts. Zach knows a lot of things, and I know very little. So, um, But I do know a little about a lot, and hopefully we'll be able to get to a lot of things oh. today. Um, but we're going to start by demonstrating uh, oh. a little brother trivia. Um, and as we do that, you'll get to know a little bit more about my brother, Zach. And odds are, you will also learn that Zach knows way more about me. And I know oh. about him, which is embarrassing. But I'm going to set the bar low for my, my brother trivia. Jamie, can you keep score for us? I can. And also, that was Augusta, Georgia. Where Augusta, Georgia. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Good. Yeah. Well, Jamel, shout out to you. Hope, hope you're enjoying uh, Augusta, Georgia. But in the meantime, we're going to see which brother knows more about the other. Okay. Zach, you go first. We'll alternate questions. Okay. Just looking for my... That um, notebook. I have a lot of cool secrets in there. You can read it later. Okay. Um, we have uh, milk, eggs. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Things that Josh would not buy at the store. Can I? Yes, I would not buy either of those. All right, Zach, first question. Oh, Go. Shit. Oh, um, Ed, uh, um, how, how old am I? Let's start. Let's start easy. You were born in 1989, making you 34. That is correct. 
Okay, what is my birthday? You were born in 1985 on the day after Valentine's Day, but I always forget which day is Valentine's Day. So I'm going to go with February 15th. Ding, ding, ding. One for one. Okay. Next question. Um, all right, let's, let's keep it. We'll keep it easy again. Jim, uh, you're keeping score, right? One to one. One to one. All right. Uh, what, uh, what is my favorite color? Color. Shit. Green. Yep. That was good. Uh, right. Oh, I got a question. Okay. What year did I graduate high school? Okay. So high school. Oh, three. Yep. Ding, 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 ding. Two to two. All right, Zach. All right. Uh, well, we're going to step it up a bit here. Uh, name three different cities I've lived in since I was 18. Uh, you've lived in Mundelein. That's, that's since I was 18. Well, you lived in Mundelein with our parents for oh. a short period of time when you came back. And then you lived in Gurney. No, not Gurney. You lived in Wakanda. I, I never lived in... No. Okay. okay. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. You said Wakanda? Wakanda. Not the not the the one from the Black Panther, the the very opposite version of that in terms of both its whiteness and its lack of wokeness. But Wakanda, Illinois, you lived in uh, Portillo, Chile. Fuck, Santiago, Chile. Santiago, Chile. Por- Portillo is that? Portillo, that's a ski area in Chile. Okay. Yeah, fact check that too, Jamie. All right. So Santiago, Wakanda, <laughs> Chicago. Yeah, that's those are those are in Mandalay. Technically, for a short stretch, I wouldn't really consider the first two cities, but uh, what do you have? A, what's that? What am I missing? What's the other city? There's like seven other ones. That's right. Though. What other cities did you live in? Let's move on. <laughs> do I get cre- I get credit for that, right? Uh, that's a do I? Well, Zach gets to answer. Did I? Do I meet the mark? Um, I mean, sure. Cities. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's a very broad term. Okay. What's the metropolitan of- areas is maybe I was maybe going for more of that. Like Which one am I missing though? Oh, uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah, you got Pittsburgh in there too. There's some. Okay. All right. Name of my first like significant girlfriend. Ooh, now you're significant. Yep, that's right. Okay, three to three. All right, next question. All right. Um, uh, what my biggest uh, phobia, like of the typical phobias. Oh, fuck. I think I used to know this one. Uh, I, I was going to go with arachnids, but I think I'm going to go with heights. No, it, you were right. It's, uh, it's spiders. It's spiders, yeah. It is spiders. I, I like heights. Do I, get a half, do I get a half a point because I doubted myself? Uh, I mean, Jamie, you're the judge. I don't know what the points are for. Are you awarding half points? Yeah, definitely half points. We'll get okay, I got okay. a half point. Right. I got one or two options there. Okay. All right. How many years was I at Notre Dame? Ooh, good answer. Four years undergrad, two years grad. Okay. Three and a half to four, Zach. All right. Um, is this the fifth question? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's, let's step it up a bit. Where was I on the morning of September the 11th, 2001? Mm. Fuck yeah. That's a good question. So September 11th, you would have been 12, just having turned 12, which would have put most students into, fuck, 
seventh grade, but since you started late, you were in sixth grade. So you were probably at that point in your homeroom with whomever your homeroom teacher was, which I'm going to just go off on a limb and say it was... You had her, too. You had her, too? Mrs. Healy? Yes. You were in Mrs. Healy's class. Walked right Watching in. Channel One News, Yeah, because she was the only one that had a TV she in her room. Well, you already answered. You're going to get a question right in about four questions because right. of that. I'm awarding a point and a half for that. That was that was very impressive. That was, yeah. yeah. That we dug in deep. Yeah. Okay. We can right. go to six. I got six here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When did I move to Denver? I moved Would you, you out here. Would you help me move? Yep. I moved you out here. Uh, so it must have been, um, well, I was at least 16 because I could drive. Um, you were well beyond 16. I was well beyond 16 because uh, I could drive pretty fast. And the not older you are, that, the faster. Not, not that much further than 16. You, interestingly, I know how old you were, but you. you All right, let, let me. Well, let me figure. So you were. Uh, you went. Ace was. Mo. Mo. Mobile. Mobile. I was trying to remember Mobile, how. Mobile, Alabama. How do you guys correct people when they pronounce it differently? Um. Uh, for two years. So that would have been, uh, shit. I'll, I'll, why are all our questions just testing our ability to do math with, well, well, with dates? You're going to have to count down five seconds to answer four. Wait, what, am I, what, am I, what was the question again? To when did I move to Denver? Um, uh, Don't, your, you two, can't put a timer on uh, two. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> making me flustered. Yeah. Uh, I would say, because you were high school... Carry the one. Nine. Uh, Subtract the four. Probably uh, 2010. 2009, but close. Okay, what is the score, Jamie? Is it five to four me? It's five to five. Okay. Because Not sure that looks like... That you could take like the some, lead for the first time. Some common core math you're doing over there. Okay, question six. For me? Yeah. All right, name uh, the uh, philosopher that uh, my dissertation was on. Husserl. Okay, good. Who is funnier, me or Maria? Um, Who do you find funnier? I laugh uh, more. No, I can't, I can't do this one, man. I mean, I... I think We're not you're asking any okay. mom and dad questions. All right, all right, no, all right. Maria Let's can put live this with way. the answer because we both Our sense know. of humor is closer. They're you're in, you're in mine. Uh, but um, Maria is not not funny. Universally, Maria. She's quite Maria she's is quite probably going to make more people laugh than She me. is. Yes, she is uh, But she I'm going to make more people think and laugh 2 days later. Yes. Yeah. And I think she's more generally accepted as funny, whereas we, we would yeah. be probably uh, canceled the minute. <laughs> Jamie, we thought that our episode should end up being how to get canceled in 30 minutes yep. or less, but that's, we won't, we that's won't my goal. go further than that. My first okay. appearance on the podcast, and my goal is just to get this out of the way because it's going to come anyway. <laughs> you know, get this shit canceled get to shut this, I just want to get canceled so I can move on with my life. This okay. comeback is going to be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question seven, Zach. Oh, we kept going? All right. Well, I got my joke. How many do you have? I, I asked for 10. Yeah, but then didn't we uh, agree that that... Okay, well, okay. okay well, well, I, I agree let me that see what I asked. Right, All right. Name two of the... Uh, at least two of the three uh, member, other members of the band that I was in back in high school. 
Mm, First names shit. is okay. Um, Jim. That was a giveaway. Was your singer. That was a giveaway, yep. And then, um, ooh, um, the, you know, the rest in peace, but one of the Flynn brothers. No. He wasn't in, he I w- thought you were in Samadhi vibe. No. You weren't in Samadhi vibe? No. Shit. Oh, oh, the keyboard player from the north side of Chicago. Not keyboard. What, drums? What, what was his name? Joe? Something like that? No, but I know you. Eddie? Vetter. Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Hatter. Eddie Van Vetter. Eddie Van Vetter. It wasn't any of those. It was a guy with a classic Italian name. Yep. What was his name? Uh, Mario. <laughs> uh, no, it was a guy with. He, he ended up going into music production in college. Yeah. What's his name? I'm not going to get the point. Take the point from uh, f- uh, his Frank. name. His Frank. name. Frank. His name is Frank. Half and, point. Uh, shout out to Frank if you ever hear this. Frank Langarelli. Sh- Frank Lado. Uh, I just Lado. doxed him. I just I just gave away all his information. That's not you right. Doxed you doxed him. You got to edit that out. Rest in peace. Wait, which? <laughs> oh, he's still alive. I think. Yep. With a yeah. name like that in Chicago, I think he's, though, he's got, that is a potential problem. He's got some bands. He's doing doing well, I think. I don't Good. know. Okay. I don't get... I get a half... The point. other one, by the way, so he's not left out, John Speakerman, drummer, fantastic. Oh, wow. Excellent. Shout out to John. Way to go, John. All right. Uh, am I in question seven? Oh, what's my current job title? Uh, assistant Dean of uh, Punishing Bad Children. Incorrect. That's a, half, that's a half point. Associate school director. It is, tech, I mean, in, in essence. My you job. also, you guys changed the names from don't, what normal no schools do. There's no such thing as a bad kid. He got several promotions since the last time we were hanging out. Okay. Yeah. That I was kid, in I mean, and it's not bad kids. It's kids who make bad choices, right? We all agree with that. Okay. Yes. All right. What was my, oh, we'll switch the order. What was my first instrument that I played? I mean, we all had piano lessons, so you played piano. Correct. Yep. Good. All right, you get, give me question eight. All right, uh, How many name. More do you have? All right, let's see. Um, name uh, my favorite Almond Brothers song. A memory of Elizabeth Reed. Yep. Sick. Fuck yeah. All right, name one teacher we both had. This is a dead giveaway. We already just said it. Mrs. Healy. It's so funny that we both came up with that question. Bonus point to each, Jamie. All right. Number nine for you, Zach. Um, I don't think I hit. Let's see. Uh, name. The last four of my social security number. One, two, three, four. No. Uh, um, the the name of the longest, my longest friend. That's. Ooh, your you longest know. friend, Rick. Rick. <laughs> You're not friends with Rick anymore. Rick, if you Rick Fox, to this, if Zach, you hear this, I I've been looking for you everywhere, man. Come back out, <laughs> get get you know. Rick Fox, reacquainted. Let's yeah. let's uh, let's hang out. Did he become Dick later in life? Do you think, or is he still Rick? Or is he going? I don't know. Ricky? I don't know. Ricky. I hope he's well though. Yeah, I hope he is too. All right, that was not the right answer. Who is your Jim? But you can't use Jim twice in two different questions. Longest friend. I don't know who is it. Dan. Dan Wood. Dan. Shit, okay. What's up, Dan? I, I'm sure Zach will send you this podcast, if so. Yep. Spread it to all your boys out in Philly. We got another Philly guy on this uh, podcast, too. He's not in Philly, but he was. He in was Philly. in Philly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jamie, He's shout out to... Nolans. Yeah, I'm definitely not in Philly. Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Oh, they, Monday Night Football coming up. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, Jason Kelsey. Sexiest man alive, apparently. Did you catch that? Jason Kelsey is up for the Sexiest Man Alive Award. And Travis Kelsey is. is dating Taylor Swift. Oh, you, we talked about that. I we think it's a classic, like, you're sexy because you're a good dad. But you're also a multimillionaire, Pro Bowl, Super Bowl winner, and that probably helps. Okay, I got one more question. I got two more. Jeez, you pick, man. you pick, do you got one more? No, I don't, I mean, I can make okay. one up. Go for it. Okay, Mitch Hedberg or Kean Peel? Okay, I, I mean, I used to love Mitch Hedberg, but if I listened to him now, I'd be like, that's what I laughed at when I was 16 and getting high. Um, he's still funny, but I never did drugs when I was 16. That's that. That's untrue. That's okay. That's untrue. I think it's public record. That <laughs> it's very, yeah, very, very much probably somewhere in some file. Key and Peel's um, have longevity. Key and, huh? and Peel, I think, are just uh, okay. They're pretty, both great. They, they, they've uh, defined... I will award you a half point for a, a justified answer. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. I, I got confused there. I thought you were asking me uh, what my favorite... No, but you're asking... I just, totally. It was, a, it was a poorly framed question on purpose. Yeah. I was hoping for Mitch Edward. I just think he's... Forgot what us. this entire thing was Key about. Peel are brilliant. I mean, Josh is going to have to involve some shenanigans to beat you at this point. Okay, what's the score, Jamie? Mm, you... You got to go flawless from here, Josh. Oh, that's it. I, I don't have any more questions. Okay. You lose by one and a half points. Oh, for fuck's sake. Okay. Well, good good job, Zach. I am proud that I knew yeah. most of those answers pretty damn was... well. I didn't ask you too many questions about, like, friends' names and stuff, but, you know, you went there and I did my best. Yeah. No, you did. You did very well. I, I had some hard ones in there, like, um, uh, like, what's in my pocket right now? That was the last one I have. It's not a banana. What movie was I, or book, was I referencing just there? Mm. Uh, John Steinbeck, Grapes of Wrath. Maybe, but that's not what I was thinking of. Of Mice and Men. Nope. Uh, William Faulkner's... Um, no, and it's not it, uh, The Hobbit. It was, you know, The Hobbit. Tolkien. Is that Tolkien? Bilbo with Gollum. Smeagol, he's like, they're doing riddles back and forth, and then the last one is what's in my pocket, and Smeagol gets all mad. What was in his pocket? Uh, not a banana. That is a universal answer in most cases. Uh, uh, the ring, the ring of power. Just the a quick ring. One of ring pocket. to rule them all. Okay. Mm-hmm. Last question before we get serious: Have you ever carried a banana in your pocket? Oh yeah, all the time. Whenever I like get back uh, from the kitchen in our office, I always. Just carry the banana in my pocket because, you know, I need both hands for other things. Okay, so you have. Jamie, have you ever carried a banana in your pocket? Yeah, but I wouldn't recommend it. It's, well, let me get on the mic. I wouldn't recommend it. Jamie, have you it. ever carried a banana in your pocket? Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it because it, like, gets mashed. Like, you know, like, it gets mashed in your pocket. Wait, do you put it in your back pocket? Thinking like here. Jamie keeps walking away from the mic. We are rigor- we are rigorously interviewing him about bananas. This shit's live and it is it is real. And we're gonna talk about being brothers. So um Wait, are we recording now? We we've been recording this whole time. Oh sh- oh shit. I mean, okay. All right. We, we don't have any dry runs. This is it. This is your name, image, and likeness all over the media. Okay. Um, I mean, these questions, like, and, and Jamie, you can't, I don't mean jump in wherever you want, ma'am, but um, 
I was thinking about this, and you know, on the drive drive around town last night, we we're saying like, what would be interesting to listen to when two brothers are on on a podcast together? For those who don't know much, Zach and I are about five years apart. Zach um, and I, you know, obviously we grew up in the same house together, but I moved out in two thousand and three, and Zach would have been what in middle school still. So we spent a lot of time in later the later like I guess the more recent part of life hanging out um but our our age gap and our grade or school gap meant we were never in the same school together and it's sometimes hard to think like to realize that because I actually think at this stage in life we connect as peers and as friends but before we get into any of that I, I think what do you remember like what do you remember about growing up with me um, I mean, yeah, the five-year difference made it uh, different. Well, okay, here's some fun memories. I remember telling this story to people recently, and they, they thought this was uh, extremely dangerous that we did this. But what you built it? ramps. You were really into inline skating for a couple of years. Aggressive inline? Aggressive, yeah, aggressive passive-aggressive. Passive yeah. passive no, it was active-aggressive. Actively. This was some sick air, bro. Yeah, si- I mean, just K9, uh, K1 skate. Mute grabs. I had mute grabs. Mm, I, did yep. three si- I did 540s, Five. so don't diminish the skill here, but keep going. Yeah, so... I built ramps. Just built, building ramps. He was grinding. He was doing a lot of grinding. <laughs> so... Some grinding. So, all right, so you Before built ramps, cool. and uh, we, we grew up with a driveway that kind of went downhill, and you put the ramp at the bottom of the driveway, and then you would have me and my uh, neighborhood friends, uh, all the small stature, <laughs> uh, lay down in yeah. front of the ramp, I mean, behind the ramp or whatever, in front, um, so that you would, you would try to see how many uh, little children you could clear, and you always did, you always did. Except I think, for that one time. Did you make it to Theo's funeral? I I guess uh, you I must have I think bla- took it completely off. Yeah, I was too repressed. busy trying to film some new sick shots. Repressed. No, for the record, I never killed anyone on my rollerblades, but I did. Yeah, so I guinea pigged you a little bit under the ramp. Interesting first memory. It's not my first memory. It's just the first memory that I said on this po- podcast about okay. us. Yeah, I have my, other memories prior to that. Oof, one of my less serious memories. God, I feel like such an ass. You remember typewriter? <laughs> that would have been the next one probably in my list. Oh shit, typewriter. Yeah, yeah. typewriter was when yeah, we would we would kind of mess around. It was a form of torture basically. And I would pin you on the ground and I would tap you on the chest. I was an yeah. asshole. I'm sorry, bro. That's, you know. I wanted to play I like I wanted a brother to play with and you wanted a brother to play with. But I was just so much bigger just because we we're younger kids that, you know, we had different, like, I think we both wanted to be friends with each other, but, you know, we were pretty inarticulate guys who were just trying to figure out ways to interact. And my love language at that time was probably some form of physical touch in the turn, like, I would wrestle with friends, you know, we'd play football. And I wanted to play that with you, but you were obviously much smaller. And um, I think sometimes that just came out in ways that have cost you lots of money in therapy. In therapy, yeah. The therapy money is 
we're going to need to well, it's, settle the call. This trip, this trip is to help repay the debt. Yeah, I mean, if you break open that two hundred bottle, two hundred dollar bottle uh, later, yeah, that that'll cover it. Uh, reparations? No. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that what? that was that was. Uh, yeah, I think that most brothers, as you know, with your own kids, uh, they have like competition and they share, you know, each other's um, or they find ways to to interact that aren't always like the best, the best for each other. But it just seems to be yeah. what you do. I don't know. Yeah, as a parent, it's interesting because sometimes I'm like way more and Jamie, you can weigh in on this one, but. I feel way more upset at times when I see one of the two of them like mess around with the other in like an unjust way. And I'll get so enraged. I'm like, how could you do this? You know, this is your brother. And like, they've already emotionally moved on from it. Like, they're not like upset about it. They're like, all right, whatever. Do you notice that with your kids at all, Jamie? Like, I know Zion is probably more likely to mess with his older bro, but like, do you ever get more upset than you think the kids are actually upset with each other? Yeah, definitely. My oldest is an introvert. My youngest is an extrovert. So like, it's a weird dynamic of like, the older one really wouldn't mess with him much at all, except he's like driven to it by the younger one, like being in his business. But when his, yeah. when his cousins are here, his cousins like, like his cousin punched Logan in the backseat by accident. And I was like, so fiery in defense of my kid, which kind of caught me by surprise but yeah yeah definitely yeah. just trying to see who's like minding their business and getting fucked with and that's who i'm kind of riding for like yeah yeah it's tricky as a parent because you want your kids to really like get along with each other and i think you know our parents did a good job of at least saying consistently like we want you to like be friends with your brother and your sister be nice to them and you know, take care of them and, and, and planted those seeds. And I think when you're a kid, you're growing up, you don't always see things for what they are. And I think sometimes you kind of, for a number of reasons, miss the mark on that. But what, when do you think we turn the tide, turn, turn the, the tide, turn, or turn the page, be, you know, became friends? Like, when do you think, I don't think we were enemies by any means, no. but we were just distant in the sense of like, we didn't connect over a lot of shared things. Yeah. But at some point, I think we did. Mm -hmm. Well, I know we did, but I don't know for for you. When did you notice that shift? I'm trying to remember when you were back at the house after like after all that. There would be times, I guess, maybe vacation. You'd come visit, and I was in mm -hmm. high school, and um, and yeah, I think it was partly just. I I I mean, I uh, I got into some bad shit back in the day. It's no uh, nothing I'm terribly proud of. Uh, just some like like petty larceny grand theft auto kind of stuff you, um, guy, you you chopped down a few guys i mean uh, yeah but they 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 survived so um we're ta i'm talking about video games all right so um no i just remember i could i felt like i could at a certain age talk to you about things that I couldn't talk to anyone else in her family about hmm. and i think that it was like having someone to i don't want to say confide cuz that sounds Maybe confide is the right sure. word, but like, yeah, it's someone that that I felt like wouldn't judge me straight off the bat, but kind of just listened and then would react in, in a way that didn't make me feel like immediately mm. like, you know, uh, 
parented in some way. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's interesting to kind of get your perspective on that. I think for me, I think it kind of came up at the beginning of the, this episode, but when you talked about like driving out to Denver with me, mm-hmm. like we shared that trip together. And I think at that point, we both kind of felt like you were out of high school, you were in college, you were going through like some real life stuff. I was obviously right, at that yeah. stage, like moving into uh-huh. a new place on my own. And I feel like that stage, like once I got out of college, it felt like what we would connect about was not just like how to get away with stupid shit in high school or college, but how to like support each other. And I feel like at that point, um, I think things kind of shifted. Um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think that 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 jumps out to me. Yeah, I think that was that would definitely be the turning point. I think there was precursors to it in high school for me. Yeah, where I started to see you, um, like yeah, as and, I mean, as a brother in this in the sense that I think maybe I've come to understand it, which is someone that you can kind of share experiences with, um, but not necessarily in a uh, like. I don't know, I think of it as like going on an adventure together and you one person might have, you know, experienced something that the other hasn't and that and vice mm-hmm. versa. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of share, you know, together. But there's not any sort of hierarchy necessarily at at or like the hierarchies can switch. The who who right. is the the experienced one in a certain situation right. changes. Yeah. Right. You kinda gain respect about the other person's like talents and skills. And not just reverence for being older, mm-hmm. which I think only holds out for so long. I mean, I'm sure, I, I mean, I don't know what it's like to have an older sibling, so I can't speak to it. But in talking with others who, who have lived life with an older sibling, I think there's a certain like degree of assumed like hierarchy to a certain extent. But at some point in life, that has to switch from like, well, they're just my older sibling to... I need to respect them for who they are as a person and we need to see each other in like horizontal ways. There should yep. be no there should be no real hierarchy. Yeah, and opinion. I I think it probably comes along with the time in people's life, uh young adults' life when they start to uh develop their own identity and accept that their identity doesn't have to be modeled always after the older sibling or the parent or whoever else. Whereas Earlier, certainly, like, we went to the same high school, but you were gone by the time I got there, and everyone was like, oh, you're Josh's brother. It's like, I'm also just Zach, you know? Yeah. I'm also my own person, but that that takes time to own and, like, appropriate, Hmm. Um, and I think that that's maybe what what came around that time when we went out to Denver. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Thinking about those, those different... I mean, truly, like, those different structures of where you fit in birth order and if you're going through similar places and you're, like, I never had it, like, if anyone's path I followed at high, in high school at Loyola was probably dad's because I wasn't following him as a student, but he worked there. Right. So I was trying to, like, you know, make him proud or keep his good name intact or kind of, you know, have that association but it does sound like both you and Maria have talked about this too, is that you you do become like a relationship to somebody else. And I don't know how much you actually internalize 
what that means as you're going through high school, but it sounds like it wasn't insignificant. No, no, I think it definitely influenced uh, also the way that I would try to radically differentiate myself from you later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you were the, not valedictorian, the... I had some role at graduation. Yeah, and, you know, and, and, and just uh, very successful throughout, and um, I felt like I maybe had to make my name in a different way, so uh, I did so selling drugs, and... Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just, I mean, yeah. I didn't make any money off of it, so no, it wasn't technically it was, so. It was yeah. brokering drugs, as my sister has uh, pointed out. Yeah, the standard for drug drug dealing at that point was really low. Uh, the, yeah, really essentially low. a text message, a vague te- text message uh, uh, was enough. Oh, man, if that's the case today, every one of my kids could be expelled who has ever vaped anything. It's like, bro, do you want some of this this pineapple punch? Mm-hmm. Goddamn vaping, man. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Can I ask you guys a question? Sure. So that like hierarchy um, dynamic between siblings that can shift, have you either of you felt that shift with your parents as you've like in a step? I was just hmm. I was just at this wedding, my sister's wedding, and feeling like my generation was like the central, hmm. you know, kind of like uh, culture setters, and like that the older family members were a little like tangential in a way that I remember when they were this, the last time I was hanging out with like everyone 10 years ago, they were definitely like what everything orbited around and now we got the kids and mm. it was just interesting. So any thoughts there? Yeah. I mean, I think the way I'm interpreting that question, Jamie is like at some point I feel like certainly with, with my dad, there became not, not a fully peer relationship like P E R, but like, there, there was things that dad would look to me for like insights or expertise on and to some extent mom as well um i feel like you know i there's more like checkpoints in, in my relationship with my dad when i remember like going from the time in which if he really wanted to pin me to the ground he could <laughs> to the time That's in true. which was- i could pin him to the ground or the time in which like he can kind of play around and maybe, you know, pretend he was slower than me, but what wasn't really to the time in which like I could just physically like beat him in something. And I see that happening with, with Landon and Cal sometimes too, where like I played chase in the playground with them last weekend. I couldn't catch him if I tried, like they were just faster and more agile. And I needed to go to the chiropractor three days later because my hip. So like I think in that sense, hitting some of those those benchmarks of being like somewhat of a not quite horizontal with with our parents, but like holding a certain degree of like centrality versus like subservience or like mm-hmm. uh, I I think yeah I would I don't know when that happened I don't know if I could say precisely if that's fully happened but I would say like those moments in, in my early to mid-20s were kind of when those tides of really more significant verticality in our relationship became a little more horizontal. What do you think? Zach? Yeah, I, I think it parallels what you said, too, about um, as you come to, like with brothers or whoever, you come to respect them for their own skills and talents and the things that they bring to the table, and you see you see them as you know offering you something that maybe you don't have. Um, 
or something that you wish you had more of. You know, I think yeah. that parents can. I, I mean, uh, I'm speaking somewhat theoretically here. Um, can admire their their kids throughout their lives uh, or respect them certainly, but that admiration can take on a different role. Mm -hmm. Like you were saying, where you know, dad or mom, you know, comes to you or comes to me yeah. for something that we might be able to um, help them with or teach them about or, or yeah. give a different perspective on. Yeah. And um, yeah, so yeah, I, th I think that that's just part of the, the maturing, life. maturing process. Speaking yeah. of the progression of life, I <coughs> wanted to talk about our progression in quality whiskeys. All right. So we're going to pivot out of brotherhood and we're going to go to a little bit of what we're drinking um, tonight. And so I wanted to pop open this bottle from 10th Mountain Distillery. And we've had a really fun time at 10th Mountain in Vail. The last two visits we've been there, we've spent some time at uh, their, their tasting room met some cool folks out there and um, each week I try to introduce some interesting information about bourbon this week I actually thought it'd be cool to tell a little bit because this is like a Colorado thing Jamie have you ever heard of 10th mountain huts by chance like uh, mountain like people going on hut trips yeah a lot of them are 10th mountain huts so the 10th mountain was a an infantry division I don't know if it was in the army or the military or, well, military is a broad term. Marines, I'm not sure what what um, group they came out of, so we can look that up later, uh, and do nothing with that fact. Uh, I'm not going to record a new podcast about it. But the Tenth Mountain was based out of Camp Hale, Colorado. Camp Hale was built in 1942, and if you've ever traveled out to the Central Mountains of Colorado, if you go past Vale. And you're on your way to Beaver Creek. There is a turnoff on the highway on I-70 towards Minturn. And if you go up, which at that point you're going south, you go south towards Leadville. In between Minturn and Leadville, there was a military base called Camp Hale. And they trained infantry uh, men to um, be able to do winter uh, reconnaissance missions and be very well trained in wintry conditions because World War II at the time was being fought of course, all over the world, but a lot of it was centralized in the Alps. And so um, the Italian Alps, the, the German Alps, Austrian Alps, um, and they were training to be able to fight in those conditions. And so the 10th Mountain Division did end up going to uh, Europe, I believe, in January of 1945, and they were fighting in the, um, the Italian Alps. And ultimately not solely because of their efforts, but months shortly thereafter, um, the Germans surrendered in Italy. Um, and that was the first big um, shoe to drop in, in the end of World War II. So the 10th Mountain Division, a lot of the people came back. And um, a lot of them, of course, were well-trained skiers and mountaineers and um, were responsible for opening over 60 ski resorts across the United States. A lot of the former soldiers created um, ski areas, and I don't have a list of which ones they did, but um, Colorado You can find that information on, we can find that on the internet. Line. Yep, on the interwebs. On the World Wide Web. The www.askjeeves.com. Yep, or you can go to Yahoo um, or wherever you get your news. Mm -hmm. 
So the tenth mountain, anyways, it's named after this. Whist- the this distillery is named after the tenth mountain infantry. And if you still travel out to Colorado, you can go up to these mountain huts that are on the top of a lot of the ridges and thirteen, fourteen thousand foot mountains around the state. And that are, um, I believe, uh, many of them were originally built to help house the soldiers who were training in the high high alpine huh. terrain. So pretty cool. Very cool. So yeah. Holy oh. shit! All right. So well, cool that that did not end up on the chair. Which no, that's good. that's how you make it breathe. <laughs> yeah, one of the things you definitely don't want to do when drinking whiskey is shake it. Um, okay. Unless you're James Bond, and then you can. He prefers it shaken. So. That helped open up the notes. But the first thing we do when we taste our whiskey is to smell it. So back to 10th Mountain uh, rye whiskey. Mm-hmm. So this one's a rye. So let's do a little quiz. So mash bill. What is a mash bill? Do you remember? I've never listened to this podcast before, so I'm just kidding. Zero time listener, Support. first time guest. Uh, <laughs> Mash bill is the, I don't know, the like ratio of uh, whatever, like corn or barley or rye or wheat uh, or um, uh, correct s- sorghum. I don't think they use sorghum. It is the ratio of um, grains in the whiskey. Now, this is not a bourbon. It is a rye. So it is 69% rye. And the other 31% are made out of corn and malted barley. And um, I believe all of those grains, and we can fact check this with um, some of our friends at 10th Mountain, but I believe all of them are sourced locally, uh, which is true for a lot of Colorado whiskeys, as many of those products are taken um, from either Colorado or from Wyoming. Um, Maybe Hmm. sometimes Nebraska for for corn, but they're all sourced regionally. Um, So... We, we should give it a smell and uh, kind of get what we're pulling out of that. It smells like a rye bread immediately. Yeah. Yeah. It has some of that spiciness in the rye for sure. A little bit of oak, at least according to the tasting notes, which would come from the barrel. Um, a little bit of like a dark fruit, like maybe a prune. <laughs> Or a date. Give it a little swish. Again, for our audio listeners who love listening to swish and whiskey. All right. Nose, yeah. A little caramel, a little light cinnamon. The flavor is very nice. Mm, yeah. A little toffee, like a little Heath bar. This is a shout-out to one of my favorite YouTube shows is uh, Tim and Eric. Oh, yeah. Where he does Tim and Eric's uh, kitchen. Kitchen, where he, yeah. Where he's just <laughs> slopping the mustard all around. Yeah. He's making it, everything's made with ketchup yeah. and mayo. And, and it, just, he just it <laughs> he slops it all around, sla- sloshes yeah. everywhere, just pushes it all back in the bowl with his hand. Yeah, so uh, Tim and Eric, if you're listening to this... Uh, we we appre- we like you. we like your stuff. You're That's an all. inspiration, yeah. Tim Tim Heidecker and Eric. <clears throat> all right, next up, <laughs> um, finish dry with lingering spice and oak. Yeah, sure. I mean, it tastes good. It's actually a um, 
I'm going to give them the shout out to Global Spirits Competition, double gold for North American whiskey and bourbon. This particular rye is their most award-winning rye. Mm-hmm. It's very nice. Yeah, I the like spiciness it. is is nice. So we're going to do something a little bit uh, customary, uh, uncustomary uh, with this next bit here. But as is pretty uh, typical with uh, me and my bro, is we can get into talking at length. And uh, we also are trying to be mindful of the length of our podcast. And so we're going to pick up about halfway through the next segment where we were talking about artificial intelligence. I think it should be a fairly seamless transition for our listeners here. And for some context, uh, Zach is... Uh, shares a little bit in the first half about his background as a uh, doctorate in philosophy. And as he did his program, he also picked up a lot of interest and passion within technology and artificial intelligence. And so we we had a great full discussion about that. And uh, this is the second half that we're all going to listen to here, where we jump in with a question about Uh, How do we know that we're not actually living in a state of artificial intelligence? So give it a listen and look forward to your comments in uh, our YouTube or Spotify or uh, iTunes, wherever you're getting your podcasts at. Leave us your thoughts and questions, and uh, here we go. I think the, the question in my mind is, how do we know that right now I'm not interacting with a robot? Um, I don't, I, I don't want to go down that road, man. <laughs> I mean, but right, it, it, it could be. We, I think we have evidence. To I suggest mean, it wouldn't if you want to, if you want to follow that path, I would ask you, like, what would indicate to you that something's not quite human, or why? And and maybe a more general question: Why is it that we define human intelligence as like this, the the pinnacle to to reach, uh, where we see forms right. of intelligence Correct. in other species correct that we don't have like right yeah no that's that's a big question i think there's a lot of ways to answer that but i think it's because we at the moment have found ways to physically dominate the rest of the world until we won't and can't and and we are potentially creating tools that will dominate us and what i would like to to hope is, I mean, my hope would be that humans can figure out how not to destroy ourselves. The evidence isn't compelling that that will happen. Mm-mm. But that nature wins and not machines. And I think nature will win out at the end of the day because it is overwhelmingly more powerful than anything that our intelligent brains can create because it is just so much beyond our control. But that, that being said, uh, yeah, I... I, I, I asked that question somewhat in jest about how do we know that we're not artificially intelligent beings? I think we know the answer is well, we're, we're not. But do, what, is, what is the end goal of... I think this would be kind of one of our last questions before we wrap. But what do you think those who are invested in artificial intelligence creation, whether they be programmers, big thinkers, big idea people, designers the technical end of it, the thinking end of it both. What is the end goal that I would say the, the general innovators are leading towards? I'm not talking about extremists. Mm-hmm. Where is this heading? Where do people want it to head from what you, what, what you can tell? I mean, I, I think that that can open up, um, and I know you're intending to close the dialogue here, but like that can open up 
a, lo a lot of aspects of art artificial intelligence that the general public might be more interested in thinking about, which is um, the political, ethical ramifications of it and the, the economic ramifications of it. Like, for example, um, in my job, I very happily use ChatGPT all the time when I'm writing code hmm. um, because it provides often a template that I can just quickly modify. I understand the code. I don't need to, you know, I'm not just having it do my work, but uh, in a sense I am. I'm offloading uh, the more tedious part of my work right. onto a tool, and that's one way that it can be very useful. Um, but it also, there are people that are concerned that it would potentially take away their jobs. And then I think there's a certain weird like insecurity among people that they will, they feel like they need to uh, be super skeptical about AI and right. say, oh, it's not even a, it's just a computer program. It's like, yes, um, but to give a very, very um, general definition of what's going on in AI, uh, again, not speaking as like a expert in this area, but the the type of algorithms and the type of computer processing that, that is going on, that machine learning or, or deep machine learning um, involves sort of a black box that human being, that the programmers, the programmers themselves don't quite understand exactly what's going on. And it's- What do you mean? So, um, I mean, very generally, it involves um, creating um, kind of layers of, of different uh, are computers making inferences um, I'm trying to think complex of, inference yeah I mean I, I think what's going on is there are uh, there's it's more of a probabilistic way of looking at uh, coding where you have weights that you give to different criteria so for example okay. the very the very e like the easiest example is like uh, um, captchas like, you know, what we have to solve when you're to say, are you a robot? Oh, right. So, yeah. um, but like, maybe even stepping back from that, like just recogni uh, recognizing what a picture is. So they would feed uh, the AI model thousands of pictures of cats until from different perspectives, right. from different angles, obscured in different ways, and um, get it to recognize or to link cat with those different images. Mm -hmm. And they're essentially just, you know, gathering from that the, the pixels and uh, giving them different um, values. And then um, those are all... It's data. Yes, but it's, it, there's, uh, there's also a um, reinforcement involved in that. So something like uh, that will correct, like say that that's correct or that's not correct. And that can be done by an actual human supervising and saying, Right. Yes or no, okay. and then that helps the the model change something underneath the hood. That's what I was saying is that all that stuff underneath the hood, when you analyze it from you know you you output it as like a graph or whatever. Uh -huh. Again, I'm speaking probably very in wrong terms here. It kind of looks like spaghetti. It's just this just lines of different things happening, and you can't easily parse what's going on in that model to make it learn that. So. Are people designing that model, or that's just happening? They design the model. They they give it its its, its different boundaries and its parameters, parameters. But how much of that, like, it sounds like there's a lot of unanticipated moves 
that these systems end up producing that technically exist around the parameters of the programming, but there's a lot of things that these these AI programs are almost doing to quote unquote think. Yeah, I mean the independently. The, the term almost. here is neural networks, and and they're mm. they're they're based off of uh, vaguely uh, an analogy to our own neur neurons and and the way that um, we might process things. And so I think uh, one way to look at it is kind of going back to your point about nature versus artificial intelligence um, is that I think that. The, a lot of the work is trying to look at nature and look at the way that nature solves problems and figure out a way to yeah. artificially imitate that. And mm. so that could be at the level of the brain or it could be at the level of evolution and looking mm. at how evolution is essentially throwing just, it's just trial and error at an, an insanely big uh, like scale. scale. And, and you're gonna have just, you know, the majority of it is gonna be a failure and then certain things work out mm, given right. the environment, the, right. the necessities of you know what it would mm. mean to survive, and so that's where you get um, interesting work that's trying to kind of bridge that gap of yeah. nature and artificial intelligence. And so, okay. I, I mean, I guess I kind of went on a tangent into explaining maybe the more technical side, but the the end goal stuff. I think from one perspective. The academic perspective, it's understanding. It's what led me into the, the I don't want to say field because I don't work sure. in it. But um, it's coming at very old philosophical problems from a new, very hmm. tractable um, perspective. Like tractable in the sense that you can code it, you can build it, you can hmm. break it down to the pieces, and you can there's proof of concept in what comes out of it. Okay. Um, Descartes probably would have liked that kind of thing, you know, or, or Aristotle or, or all of them would have liked to be able to say, here, yeah, this, this is what I'm trying to get at. Hmm. Um, so, but then from a different perspective, to be my, my political cynical self, it's to make money. Um, you know, the, the typical incentives that uh, drive everything mm -hmm. in our society. Yeah. And... Um, more cynical, I think, to offload work um, in the same way that we've done with outsourcing labor. Mm. And Jamie, what word comes to mind for you? Begins with a C. Can you restate the prompt? What word? Well, it rhymes. It rhymes with capitalism. Okay. We, we want to give Jamie a lob every week to commentary on capitalism. I think we're four out of five episodes. But Jamie, yes. we missed a, we missed an opportunity to talk about capitalism, this whole thing. So Let me, let me close with this question. Yeah. Uh, one of two questions. I love capitalism. We always end with what we learn, so start thinking about that. AI, will it be a net benefit for society, yes or no? And if you answer yes, under what conditions... Are you defining happen, benefit? right? Like what? Wh yes, it's a net benefit if, and we all get to answer that question. Zach, would you, you like want to start? You want me to start? Yeah. Um, I mean, as a typical philosopher, I'll say, well, let's define that. Um, <laughs> let's define what a benefit would be. But I think simply, yes, I think that it offers something that could very much become a benefit for okay. society. Um, but the, the same caveats 
uh, apply to anything that, that we develop and innovate where uh, it can just as easily be used for uh, bad things that will ultimately lead to our mm -hmm. destruction. And I think that the possibilities uh, it offers for either one of those is exponential in the sense that it could be exponentially good for us and exponentially bad for us. Um, just because of right. the way that it could develop and, and kind of snowball out. So uh, if it were yeah. to be good, it would be good as long as blank. What, what is your condition to manage a successful build out of artificial intelligence? What is the one thing you would say humans need to make sure happens? Um, Um, I don't, I don't know that humans need to stop being, uh, human. I mean, I feel like humans are the ones that are fucking everything up just, right. uh, and so, um, yeah, I, I think I would go hard on that point about the, it's, I think it's inevitable that this will happen, but the innovators that are looking at it purely from a, an economic standpoint and one of, uh, how can this like mm. lead to my profit? that would be the worst possible thing that okay. can happen of it because that's going to turn into f slavery in a certain sense right. of, you know, you can toy with the idea, could the AI actually be considered a slave yeah. if it becomes sufficiently intelligent? And then two, uh, the, the way that it could affect human workers and, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it, it's like a, a new form of outsourcing. So I think that would be what, would lead it Watch that would be the worst for those with economic interest to be part of making critical decisions yes okay thanks that's good insight um my answer would be is artificial intelligence going to be a net benefit for society um poof man i, I i'm going to lean slightly yes with a huge caveat, I like how you added the economic angle. And actually, I, the more I think about it, that really is the reason that when you put a people together who have to make decisions about what we allow or what we don't allow, the reason somebody would make a bad decision is because of selfish interests. And those selfish interests tends, tends to often be about money or power, both. And those are the people who will be in charge of making these decisions. So will it end up being a net benefit for society? I'm skeptical. Could it be a net benefit for society? Absolutely. I think technology has that ability. But my, my caution would be there needs to be high degrees of regulation in the hands of multiple people in, in a somewhat democratic sort of manner, but not like straight up power to the people manner. But like there needs to be a lot of eyes and a lot of checks and balances because it is a tool that I think could could carry with it some some major detriment. Can I just comment on the the de democracy part, just from a technology perspective? Open source software is a, a concept uh -huh. where right. everyone it, there's no there's no patent on the software, so uh, the code is is open to everyone to look at right. and analyze like and change. AI, right? And and yes, and there's a whole debate about that with OpenAI, but I think part of part like a, a very practical way to look at that would be like what would it look like to have a very open source approach right. instead of having it be privatized right. where um you know we see 
politicians always in the pockets of, yeah. of what is the economic interest um, yeah. for the state, the shareholders. Mm. If you make it more like a democratic open source approach, I think that might be interesting to, to okay. look at. I just don't know what that would yeah. mean, but anyway. Jamie, will AI be a net benefit? And if so, under what con conditions or just straight up it won't be? Yeah, so a couple of things here. OpenAI's mission statement. OpenAI was deliberately structured to advance our mission to ensure that artificial intelligence, general intelligence, benefits all humanity. You know, like, so I think like there is a group of people who, you know, have the, believe in the right safeguards and there's like mm -hmm. a, a chance that it could now that, you know, OpenAI's board got, you know, got Altman out of there and now he's on his way back potentially with the board going down. I I don't see a way for like the best of us, the best of humanity to be exercising like agency over the power structures right now. So like without a hmm. big change there, I would say like we're all doomed and I'm not sure like AI is going to be the thing that takes us all down, but you know, AI in the hands of the masses of the workers all of those things like have a promising future. I think like the last time a technology did what the best of humanity promised it would do, like it's been a long time. You know, the internet I think is a pretty good example and the internet is super toxic, um, even though it's been like amazing and, um, cha you know, changed our lives, you know, some would say for the better, we certainly are not going back, um, unless we're kicking and screaming. Um, yeah, but yeah, I would say the the best of humanity has got to take control of the reins and you know, the worst of humanity is willing to like literally like yeah. nuke the earth. So I I don't really see the path forward right now. So seize the means of production yeah. where the means of production are AI in this new world. The yeah. writer, the like the Hollywood writers got that in their contract like the AI is going to be in their hands for them to like supplement and mm -hmm. create like greater efficiency with their work it's not going to be in the hands of like yeah. the producer yeah right which yeah. would just they would just skip the step of creative which you know, i just know it would just be tear all the all the things that ai would produce would just be hilariously bad it, just make, it won't be as good as this podcast dumber. yeah so, so i kind of well, want that to happen cheers to the greater members of society who care about others who are less selfish than others no. And to wish wish those future generations well. Cheers to them. Cheers to you, Zach. Cheers to you, Jamie. Um, again, to Jamel, who will be back on our next one, hopefully very soon. Um, props to 10th Mountain Whiskey for providing us with something great to drink tonight. We didn't even try the brandy, which is also quite good. And is that uh, also thanks, yeah, Zach, oh. thanks for coming out, bro. It's been good to have you on the show. And I'm glad we made this happen. Um, give it a listen uh, for those who are making it all, all the way to the end. Thanks for giving it a listen. Drop some comments in um, on whether YouTube or Spotify or wherever you're getting your podcasts at. And let us know what you think. Let us know what you'd like us to talk about in the future. And cheers to everyone. Thanks. Appreciate you, man. Thank, thank you. Thanks for having me out. You can find me on MySpace. Uh, that's it. Thank you. With a Metallica background. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah.